Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the Canadian City TV series Hudson and Rex. This is How to Dog. Each episode, someone like you calls in with a canine question. This week, traveling right. Hi there, my name is Calvin. I have a trip coming up uh, where I'm going to have to fly. And I'm nervous about taking my dog on the plane. What do I need to know about flying with the dog? Thank you. Thanks for your question. Traveling with a dog can be a stressful experience for the dog and the owner. Whether you're just taking your puppy to the vet around the corner in your car or around the world in a plane, making sure your dog is safe and comfortable is critically important for both physical and mental health. So this week, we're hitting the road. Hi, everyone. A reminder that this podcast is not personal advice and you should always consult with an expert when taking care of your own doggo. Over to you, Sherry. Later in the podcast, I'm going to talk to Arlene Libovic about what you need to know about dogs traveling by car. Arlene runs a pet taxi concierge service called Your Dog Butler and knows pretty much everything you need to know if you need to take your dog or send your dog somewhere by car. That's coming up shortly. But first, I have Captain Joe DeBolder with me. He's a Boeing 747 pilot and runs one of the world's most popular aviation YouTube channels with more than 1.5 million subscribers. On his channel, he offers all sorts of advice about air travel, and some of his most popular videos are about his advice on flying with animals. But we're going to get it straight from the captain's mouth. Captain Joe, welcome to How to Dog. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. You know, it's become a real problem. Like a lot of people won't even take a holiday anymore because mm -hmm. they don't want to leave their animals. And, you know, you can't, a lot of people who are under the misconception that you can't fly with them. So maybe you can help us out here. Yes. Well, um, sure, you can bring your animal along or your pet uh, along your flight. But I think that uh, a lot of people are a little bit worried about on how the animals or pets are being treated um, during flight. It very much obviously depends if it's a pet in cabin, meaning that you can actually bring it on board uh, and uh, yeah, closely guard it whilst you're sitting in the passenger seat or you bring it on board uh, via the freight or the cargo and it's then actually below you, you know, the cargo is all loaded uh, below deck. And um, and that's where I think a lot of people are a little bit worried about because there's been all sorts of rumors on the internet on how these animals get treated, uh, especially from the uh, people who load the aircraft and so forth and uh, sort of the environment um, and the stress that an animal has to go through whilst it is in the lower cargo hold. So that's, I think, why a lot of people are a little bit worried about taking their animals uh, on their holiday, holiday trips. Well, you know, it, it's very true because, you know, you hear all these rumors and it depends, of course, on what you're reading, who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. But we all know that animals have died uh, while being transported. Um, mm -hmm. We all know that there have been animals in the belly of the plane or the cargo. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when the plane lands, they open up the cargo to get the luggage off and a dog mm -hmm. will shoot out and be loose on, uh, at the airport. 
So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of fear that has been instilled in people with flying with their animals. And, mm-hmm. and then they say that there's no heat, there's no regulation down there. So mm-hmm. are they going to freeze? Is it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here we have, um, uh, they have a heat embargo sometimes. So mm-hmm. people are mm-hmm. like, well, is it not air conditioned or, you mm-hmm. know, is it not mm-hmm. heated? So maybe you could clear up some of these myths for us. Yeah, I think uh, many of your listeners might have realized or remember the last time they picked up their suitcase from the conveyor belt or from the baggage claim. Uh, if you check the temperature, you'll realize that it's actually really, really cold. And the reason, therefore, is that, as you mentioned, this cargo hold is not, it is air conditioned, but it's very often not heated, meaning that the temperatures are somewhere between 15 degrees or colder. Yeah. Primarily the reason is, I mean, it costs more energy to heat that, and meaning that it will increase the fuel burn, which you don't want. So um, what is difficult for if I were to have a pet and if I would have to hand it in is that you drop it off more or less like a suitcase. Um, then it gets taken on conveyor belts, on uh, luggage carts to the actual aircraft. And now here is where sort of already the misconception starts that a lot of people think that the animal might be sitting in shade. Let's just give an example. Let's say we're in Los Angeles. It's a summer day. Uh, we're in Florida, whatever. And uh, you've give, you handed in your, your dog in this crate which it, in which it's going to be transported. They're going to place it on the apron. And if it's, I don't know, for whatever reason, you have some kind of delay um, or boarding takes forever, um, the, the dog in his crate or the pet in his crate will be sitting on the tarmac, on the hot tarmac, until the loading sort of starts and they bring the, um, all the cargo into the cargo belly. And that can be very, very stressful for the dog, uh, especially because of the heat exposure. Um, and I mean, I know a lot of people mean well by putting in like little, you know, uh, some water for the dog to, to, to drink, but either that will be, has spilled already just because of the whole transportation to get it to the plane. Um, or, yeah, you don't really have an opportunity to put in any water. So meaning the dog, and depending on how long the flight is, um, can be without water and food for, let's say, if it's an Atlantic crossing, it's somewhere, you know, 10 to 12 hours where the food won't have anything to eat and no one can actually reach the dog to go down to feed it or do whatever. The, the other the other side, for example, when it's freezing, freezing cold, yeah. um, you let's say you go to Alaska, and then there is maybe some kind of problem again with offloading. So you've actually reached your destination. Then they open the cargo hold because that's the first thing they do. They open it. And then, I don't know, the, the cart's not coming. The conveyor belt is broken or whatever. And then this dog sits there in the freezing cold until it's actually being offloaded and then sent over to the terminal. And, and those are all sorts of uh, stresses in terms of temperature that the dogs or pets have to endure uh, on these flights, which I think is um, something definitely to consider uh, if you really want to bring your flight, uh, sorry, your dog right. on your flight. Um, it matters very much on the length of it. I think an hour or two flight domestic would be no problem. But if you like making a, a going on a trip to Europe, as an example, um, I would rather make sure that I can, you know, leave my dog with, with uh, like a shelter somewhere or like a dog hotel. Uh, your dog will be better off staying there rather than going on your holiday trip. 
as we sit here and talk, I'm like, maybe we should take an airplane and just like <sighs> empty it out, take out all the seats or take out half the seats and let the animals fly in the back half <laughs> of the cabin and humans in the front half. Well, you, you, funny that you mentioned that. Sorry to interrupt, Jerry, but there was actually a plane like that. I'm no. not kidding. Yes, there is. They're called uh, a combi. Um, they sadly don't exist that much anymore. Uh, KLM, the airline here from you from, from the Netherlands, they used to have a combi 747, which the front part was for the passengers and the, the upper class was for the for the first class uh, or the upper deck. And the other half, literally 50% of the other part of the plane was uh, for, for animals or, I mean, primarily for horses. That's what they used them for. Uh, but you could also, you know, put your dog on there. And a lot of people I know did because there are, you know, standardized pallets. Uh, it's either a horse up there or, you know, a lot of crates with, with dogs in them. So, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned it, but that actually existed. Oh, my gosh. You know what? Yeah. If they brought it back now, because so <laughs> many people have animals now, it's what, one in one in three homes have, have animals and, and one in four have animals and one in three have multiple animals something like that and i'm like yeah there you go maybe that's something we should look into (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) um can you tell okay so here um you know there's international dog rescue where you know they'll go Mm -hmm. to china they'll rescue all Mm -hmm. these dogs they fly Mm -hmm. them to a different country and then adopt Mm -hmm. get them uh you know medical Mm -hmm. aid and whatever and then get them adopted out so Um, when people are doing this, uh, you know, it's kind of a misconception because the way that they advertise it is that the dogs Mm -hmm. are on the plane or they have a special heated air conditioned Mm -hmm. cargo hold Mm -hmm. and they have Mm -hmm. special, you know, um, some specialty treatment. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and, and maybe you could. Maybe you could shed some uh, light on this. Well, funny, funny enough, I've done one of these rec- rescue flights myself. Oh. Um, meaning, it's quite interesting here. Here in uh, Germany, we have this. It's sort of a program where you can like pick up dogs from from countries which are not so animal friendly. Um, I'm not not to talk bad about my uh, friends from Greece, but Greece, for example, uh, is one of the countries where I used to fly in a lot. And then you, I was a like the what's it called, like a peer. I was the partner of the dog. I was actually the owner of the dog for the flight, meaning we landed in Greece. I picked up the dog from this rescue organization. They gave me the dog in a little crate. The crate obviously went um, uh, into the cargo hold. I had to sign documents that I was the official owner for the next two to three hours. Then we flew back and then I had to take the crate out of the cargo hold again and then bring it to the um, to the people who are waiting uh, at the terminal to to pick up that dog. So this family um, could wasn't financially able to fly to Greece to pick it up, and I just took the I took the liberty and take that that service for them, and that was something that was incredible. I really enjoyed doing that. I did a couple of times. I mean, it- I just want you to make something clear to me um, mm-hmm. because somebody had said. Uh, because uh, I said, you know, uh, about the difficulties of putting them into cargo. And somebody had mm-hmm. said to me, oh, no, um, behind the pilots or, or in yeah. the pilot room or behind the pilot room, there's a hatch and they can get down and check on the animals in cargo. <laughs> no. Uh, but maybe there are some planes that can do that. Uh, to be fair, I've never actually heard of them or never seen one of those. 
What the pilots can do, yes, some of the planes actually have a hatch, uh, which is in within the cockpit, but that will only take you down to the avionics space, so where all the avionics equipment is, and you can't really access them to the cargo. That would be very new to me, unless it is a fully uh, a full cargo freighter. So, for example, I fly freighters, meaning there is a staircase that leads down to the main cargo hold, uh, but that's a completely different story. I can only access the main deck, but the belly cargo at the bottom, there's no way for me to access um, that. So you've, um, I'm, I'm gonna, you've written a book. Yes. That, okay. yeah, yeah, What's yeah. the name of the book? <laughs> the book is called uh, Read and Do. It's uh, 100 checklists to become a better version of yourself. It's, it's a book that I've written over the past few years. Um, I've been in the aviation industry for the 10, 10, 12 years now, and I've realized how I can implement checklists from the cockpit to everyday life and one of those checklists is uh to do something charitable and um you know because a lot of people are you know living their self-centered lives but <laughs> and never really think so much about charity and giving back and i decided that uh, or by pure coincidence a very a very good uh, or dear friend of mine christina she's the biggest animal lover that i will know or know and she invited me uh, along and said, look, Joe, we're going to go to this uh, animal shelter and we're going to go and, and walk a couple of dogs and said, that sounds amazing. So we did that, had tons of fun. And whilst I was there, I already decided, okay, why look at these kennels? They look well, filthy, I mean, used. And uh, so they gave me one of those high pressure washers and I cleaned the kennels, uh, had so much fun, got to meet very, very interesting people, loving and caring people. Wow. And I thought, this was such a uplifting and uh, inspiring day for me that I thought this is a fantastic checklist and I want to encourage people more uh, on doing these kind of things. You know, whatever, it doesn't necessarily need, need to be an animal shelter, but I think that experience itself with a dog, if, for example, I as a pilot can't really have a dog because I'm out flying most of the time. And so that was a fantastic uh, way of connecting with dogs. And I would love to have a dog, <laughs> but uh, I still, until today, go to this animal shelter and take care of the dogs once in a while. Because for me, it's just sad to see if they're, you know, abandoned dogs uh, who kind of get their home there, but they want this human connection, obviously, somewhat. And I have repetitive dogs I visit, and it is tons of fun. I really, really enjoy it. And that's what the book is about. It's just sort of little ideas to inspire you. Um, you know, when's the last time you've built something with your hands? You know, a DIY project. Okay, now you've got yourself a dog. The next thing you do, you go to a hardware store and you buy a finished kennel. Why can't you build it yourself? And that's right. all in that book. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I would love to, um, you know, chat more and hopefully we can yeah. round back on this. Hopefully, you know, there's there's got to be some kind of a business. I'm not a pilot. I know nothing about that, but I know a lot <laughs> about animals. So, you know, you never know what could happen out of this. Um <laughs> Very true, very I am. True. I am sure that you have uh, absolutely cleared up a lot of questions for our listeners and um, you. made things a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it's more uh, more at ease about traveling and leaving your dogs behind uh, with a mm -hmm. respectable mm -hmm. uh, babysitter, or if it's more difficult mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. them now. Or, but you know what? At least they've got <laughs> the knowledge to make a a a uh, responsible decision. Correct. I think just final words from my side. Um, if I 
have a dog or advice to any dog owners, um, if you are making like a move, you're moving from one city to the other and it's so far away that you actually have to go by plane, yes, then bring your dog along in a plane. But whenever it comes to holiday destinations where you're going to go for two weeks or whatever, please consider uh, on finding a babysitter, a dog sitter, um, because the stress that a dog has to go through, especially in the cargo hold, uh, is something that um, I'm not going to say it will change the, the life of this dog, but it, it is a very, uh, in my opinion, harmful um, environment for a dog. So try and stay away from that and rather have a dog sitter for those two weeks where you're on holiday. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, you know, I'm sure Absolutely. a lot of people got... A great education today and some laughs along with it. Uh, Captain Joe, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am going to uh, add you on my list here and I'm going to look you up and check out your book and everything. And it has been a Please real do. pleasure. Uh, you know, thank you so Absolutely much. Sure. This is this is the most fun I've had on a podcast in a long time. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you so cool. much. And again, Dr. Joe, we'll be looking you up. Thank you. Thank Take you. care, guys. See ya. <laughs> Captain Joe D. Boulder is a cargo pilot and host of one of the world's most popular YouTube channels on aviation. In a minute, I'll tell you a story about one of my experiences traveling with dogs. That's coming up in just a few seconds. Anybody who knows me knows that anytime I'm invited somewhere, I always have a dog in tow. So that means my dogs are traveling in the car with me at all times. But I travel safe, which means there are different ways to put your dog in a car. You can leave them loose, you can have them crated, you can put them in a seatbelt. But what you should never do is allow your dog in the front seat. Not only is it illegal and you could face a huge fine, but it's for the safety of our animals. So. I have had dogs that, you know, constantly want to get in the front seat. They're fighting and fighting and, you know, they come in between the seats and you're like, get back. Well, that's distracted driving. So the best thing you can do is put up some kind of a barricade or have your dog securely in the back of the vehicle at all times. Hi, Sherry. This is Chad calling. I have a very long trip coming up with my dog, and uh, I've never done this. He's never done this. I don't think either one of us wants to do this together. Um, if you have any hints or you could direct me to people that, that maybe do this for a living, that would be fantastic. I uh, hope to hear from you. Bye. You could say my next guest had a driving ambition until it went to the dogs. Arlene Libovic is the owner of Your Dog Butler, which is a taxi concierge service for pets. And she has driven dogs a few blocks and across countries. So she has lots of advice when it comes to dogs and cars. Arlene, welcome to How to Dog. Oh, thank you so much, Sherry. I'm glad to be here. Um, would you? Can you tell our listeners what it is that you do? So Your Dog Butler is a company that specializes in pet transport for pet owners. 
And what we do is we assist the pet owner to make dog ownership easier. So if you ever are in a situation where your dog is at the groomer, needs to go to a vet appointment, daycare, um, any kind of vet emergency, you can give us a call if uh, you would like a ride specific for your dog to go without the owner or with the owner. And we so we cater to that market um, primarily. And also we do long and short haul distances. So short haul might be two hours to cottage country, for example. A longer haul might be across the border to, into the U.S. And where are you located? Where Where's your home base? So our home base is in Toronto and the GTA. Okay. So if I have a dog and uh, or an animal, do you just do dogs or do you do any animal? So we primarily do dogs and cats. We have done birds, bunnies, mice, <laughs> hedgehogs, um, but, but primarily it's dogs and cats. But overall, dogs is probably 80% of what our rides consist of. So if I, uh, you know, my parents, um, they're uh, empty nesters, of course, and they're also the um, sunbirds who take off and the, they're the snowbirds, I guess they call them. So right. my parents, the snowbirds, go to Florida every year. And, um, you know, they used to drive all the time. But now, I, you know, I think it's easier on everybody if they were to fly out there. And there's a company that will take the car for them. And when they arrive at their house in Florida, the car is there waiting. Now, is that something that you could do with their dogs? Could you have their dogs picked up uh, locally? Well, in the GTA area, could you have them picked up and somebody would drive them to Florida? Yes, absolutely. Actually, that's why I would say right now, many people are calling for that particular reason, not just because of COVID, because it's very difficult to get across the border with your pet as the owner. Um, and you can with as a pet transporter, but also it's a really long drive. And, you know, to your point, they're empty nesters, they're, they, you know, they don't want to do the drive themselves. And that is definitely one of the uh, most popular questions we've had in the past week or so. So to make it clear, you're a transportation company for animals, but you're not a boarding facility or a pet sitting service. That is correct. Okay. Now, whatever got you into this business? Well, interesting question. So I was at work one day and I was in a meeting and I looked at the time and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to get my dog from the groomer before it closes at 6 PM. And my husband wasn't able to either. So I frantically started looking on Google if there was any kind of service that can go pick up my dog for me. And uh, lo and behold, there wasn't any. So I became, you know, very interested in my entrepreneurial spirit sort of went into gear and I started doing a lot of research and found out that I wasn't alone as a pet owner who could depend on third parties to assist in situations such as this when I'm at work or elsewhere. Right. And, you know, it, it showed that there was a big gap in the marketplace and that's basically how it was from my own need. And then just talking to other pet owners and people that have pet companies and finding out that there really isn't a service that is available and that many vets would find this 
you know, great service to offer to their elderly clients. Um, there's a lot of people that live in Toronto that live in condos that don't have cars uh, and, you know, are using our service. So there's, there's so many reasons why somebody needs a third party to assist them. Wow. Okay. So now when you transport these animals, if they, let's say I call you to take my dog locally, um, I, I just need you to take it to appointments or uh, mm-hmm. pick it up from daycare or whatever. How are you transporting these animals? Is it in a car? Is it in, mm-hmm. are they in crates? Are they in vans? Or is it a bus? Is it yes. do you put seatbelts on them? Like how do, how do you transport them? Yeah. So obviously safety is you know, of prime importance. Um, so we always ask the pet owner how they would prefer to have their, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just speak about dogs for this session. Uh, yep. if, you know, if they will like their dog in a crate, um, if they have a harness so they could be tethered to the car. So we leave that as an option available to the pet owners. Quite often it's, they, uh, don't necessarily need a crate unless, you know, we're going long distances and then we do insist. So, you know, they would have a lead. We, um, have safety clips that we tether the dog to the car. Then we have different, some of our cars are quite large. They're all SUVs. They have ramps in case dogs have the inability to sort of jump into the car or need assistance. Um, And then there's, so there's an area in the back that has like a big comfortable bed, has some toys where they could be tethered to where they have like, you know, a little bit of give so they're there. They can move around, um, but are safe. And then, or there's other areas within the main cavity of the vehicle where the the pets can go. So it is pretty much directed by the pet owner. We try to make sure that we could meet their needs. So when you pick up a pet and you're taking it to uh, the groomer or whatever, whatever the, the, the taxi ride is going to be, would you put multiple dogs in one taxi or is it my pet only going A to B and then you go and pick up another pet? Mm-hmm. It's private rides. They're all private rides. We'll take okay. pets within the same family, but um, otherwise they'll be private. Okay. And then what do you do if you're uh, you're on your way somewhere with somebody's dog and they're crying and screaming and jumping and pacing? And like, is there any advice you can give people with animals for travel? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Well, anxious dogs, again, I think have a lot, those are probably the dogs that, you know, sort of jump around the most. And it's the advice that we can give. It's really what you do beforehand. Like don't rush them in. Don't, you know, sort of shove them into the cavity, let them feel comfortable with the car. If they're really jumping around and, you know, they're still anxious, then, you know, they do pull over. I mean, it depends how long this ride is, right? Like if it's, you know, 10 minutes through the city, then it might not be applicable, but, um, just spending the time with the dog and getting the dog comfortable with the car. Like they, but they open up all the doors and they let, they sort of let the dog lead them to where they want to go in and where they, so that's, that is really what they always say to me. I'm like, well, how do you know? And they're like, you know, we kind of leave it up to the dog to direct us of what they want to do, where they feel comfortable. Well, Arlene, I'd like to thank you very much for being on with us today and all the information. Oh, thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank you again for being with us, Arlene, and we wish you all the best. Thank you for speaking with us. Arlene Lebovic is the owner of Your Dog Butler. 
a pet taxi concierge service. You can find her at yourdogbutler.com. I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dog Master, and you're listening to How to Dog, the podcast that answers all your canine questions. I hope this episode has helped some of you with advice on how to travel with your dogs and how to get some peace of mind if you have to put your dog on a plane. I know it can be a stressful experience, so I hope we've been able to take away some of those worries. In the meantime, don't forget to give us a good review and please call us at 1-833-HOW-TO-DOG with your burning canine questions. Next week, we're going to get an earful about dogs and hearing issues. Thanks to this caller. Hello. When a dog gets old, do they lose some of their hearing? And are there hearing aids for dogs? Thank you, Sherry. How to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis, produced by Devin Langell, Carrie Hayden, and Adam Killick. Editing and mixing by Adam Killick. Research by Nicole Saltz. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Copyright 2021, Shaftesbury. <laughs>